Hi, this is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. I just want to welcome you to this Bible study. Today, this Bible study is going to be about 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I'm going through a series of people who believe certain things are one way and on the Bible and then think another way on the Bible. And there's no, like, seems to be no settlement on, on what people believe in the church and what people believe individually. So what I do is I take certain subjects that that I have throughout my life, but then up until recently, there's a lot of things that come across my plate, and I decide to just look into them to see how actually true they really are and how they're perceived. To me, when people perceive Scripture in a way where it doesn't seem like it's that's exact the way that it's read and that's exactly what God meant it for it to be understood then I start to understand I actually start to question it myself to say yeah I believe it that way too but the way they said it sounded just a little off so I decided to go into different subjects and um, video requests uh, podcast video requests of course but then also things that I hear and I want to be able to not necessarily correct anybody but the fact is to make things more clear and the conception and the perception of how they look at Scripture and how they understand Scripture is, as a teacher, it um, sometimes some of the things that I hear is a little, you know, a little out there. And then so I try my best to be sensitive to uh, the the listeners and try to not come off as authoritative. But definitely, the Scripture is authoritative, and whatever the Scripture says, I'm going to do my best uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit to help me teach these specific scriptures. Okay, so now if you'd all turn your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it reads, For the love of money is the root of all evils. Because of this craving, some people have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves to the heart with many pains. Okay, now, I've heard people quote this scripture say, money is the root of all evil. Uh, and I, that's across the board. I, I rarely hear somebody who's actually read this scripture and understood it. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evils. Now, in this rendition of the complete Jewish Bible, it says evils. And I read the complete Jewish Bible uh, from time to time when it comes to certain uh, scriptures, only because the clarity is just there. And the King James Version also, but the New King James Version version I also like to read as well. So it's up to you and how you want to read it, but it's how you study it and, and, and understanding Scripture exactly what is the most important part, of course. So, uh, as you know, that I teach the Old Testament, and, and I believe that every New Testament uh, Scripture, uh, idea, um, anything that it, it that it's being um, taught uh, by either the apostles or by Jesus himself, or just in general, you hear these um, scriptures in the New Testament, they all, and I truly believe this, I believe that all scripture has some sort of root in the Hebrew Bible or Old Testament. And I don't think that the these things that we hear in the New Testament is something brand new. I believe that it's something they already understood. Uh, concepts, precepts uh, of what a truth um, and what God has given them, uh, commanded them, um, the, his uh, 
all of his uh, truths uh, to live by the morality, the ethics, the morals, everything that he wanted uh, them to to be like, he has given them through Scripture. Now, um, I truly believe that that this idea uh, for the love of money uh, is broken down not so much as money, but it's for the love of. Now, we read this in, in a form where it's translated, and if you read into the New Testament, you're going to see how rich the New Test or the Old Testament is when understanding New Testament um, scripture, vernacular, uh, cadence, uh, and the way that it's read and the way that it's written. And it's very important that we understand what the New Testament says. Why? Is because that's that's where it comes from. What we're what we witness here in the New Testament is people understanding what the what the Hebrew Bible already says, uh, what they where they get they draw these principles from, and the things that they say is because they're talking to Jews because they understand the language they understand where it comes from. They've quoted these scriptures for, you know, up to over a thousand two thousand years uh, prior to this. And, and this is something that is uh, very important to them and, and is one of the Jews. Honestly, they believe that the, the Torah, the, the Word of God, is the, one of the greatest miracles uh, that has been given to them as a people. So this is why it's important to, to understand uh, Old Testament or Hebrew Bible scriptures. Okay, so let's go into the the aspect of what it means so the love of now i did a, a word study uh and uh, on this and, and i looked up different uh words that are connected to this scripture and and uh reference scriptures and they're the words that come up two words that come up the most is envy and lust now if you think about about what envy envy and lust is envy is is like it's almost like a uh, a feeling and also a a desire and same with lust it's uh it's a feeling and also it's a desire but there's something that goes beyond that now if you really think about it um when it comes to the love of money uh this is just like it's almost like an end product or it's one of the one of the outcomes of what I'm going to read you now, let's go back to the Hebrew Bible Old Testament into Exodus chapter 20. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, I'm going to start at verse 1, but I'm going to end up at verse 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands of those, to those who love me and keep my commandments." You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes him name his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do no, do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord uh, your God. 
In it you shall do no work, nor your sons, nor your daughters, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven, heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which, your, which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. So the 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 law or the Torah here that I am going to emphasize on here is verse 17. You shall not covet. So now, and if you think about what that means, now when you say for the love of money, the love of money is a desire, okay? But it is a means to an end. So when you say uh, you, you lust or that you envy, those two things are something that that comes up inside of you. So if you say, and and they're not necessarily uh, in, and if you have it in application, they're not necessarily um, negative. And uh, I'll explain that. But the point I'm trying to make is is that coveting, uh, lust, envy, and the love of money, or at least the love of, are different. And I'll explain that. So let's go back to. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, For the love of money is the root of all evils. Now, we could probably think of, off the top of our heads, some evil things, but what are they? Well, I'm glad you asked, because this is important why the Scripture says this. Why? Again, because these are Jews. So we're not, we could probably think of a bunch of different things, what we think is evil, but let me tell you what is against God. We just got through reading it. So let's go back to Exodus chapter 20. Now, if you take a look at the, the, the tenth commandment here, it is thou shalt not cover your neighbor's house or cover your, cover, cover your neighbor's anything. So let's take a look at what it is. So here, coveting is, uh, is last because I truly believe that the way that the Ten Commandments were written and the way God has given it to Moses is because of what coveting does. Now, to differentiate between coveting, envy, lust, and love, by the way, of money is, is, a, is a type of lust, but the fact is, is that it's the word love is is used, which is uh, the type of love. Um, it's what's well, inanimate object. So it's kind of this is the kind of thing that that is the reason why. Now some people will equate this to idol worship. It's it is in the area a description. It's descriptive of idol worship as money being an object, an inanimate object, and and seeking it above other other things, which is defines idol worship. But I want you to hear, hear me out, and then I want to explain this to you. So you have uh, envy, and you have lust. Lust is the ungodly desire of something. Okay, envy is, is when you 
see somebody with something and then you wish you had it. But coveting is specific. It says you shall not covet your neighbor's house. So it's not that necessarily that if you envy or lust after your neighbor's house, which means you're probably going to go get one of your own. You know, you're going to say, well, uh, they have a five bedroom house and then I'm going to go get a five bedroom house or they have a a, a very nice uh, vehicle, uh, you know, uh, the brand new, then I'm going to go get me a brand new vehicle. Or, you know, uh, they just got married and, and now I'm going to go get married. You see, now these are, that's the type of thing that, that sometimes it ends up happening. But on the other hand, you have the, the coveting aspect, which is completely different. Coveting means that you actually want the house that your neighbor's in. Okay, the next thing on the list is says uh, you shouldn't uh, covet your neighbor's wife. So not that you don't want to get a, another wife or a wife for yourself. You want his wife. Okay, and then it says here male servant or female servant. You have to remember that in this days, this is what um, this is what I think was wealth considered wealth. Uh, it could be uh, who knows uh, what what wealth would be for now. It could be maybe a Harley Davidson. You know, maybe you don't want that Harley Davidson, but you want that his Harley Davidson. Um, and the next thing is his donkey or anything that is your neighbor. So anything that your neighbor has, you don't necessarily want another one like it or get one to a one-upman and get something that's better than his. You actually want his. So this is a different way that we perceive this. Now, relating, now I said all this because now I want you to take a look at this. Now, look at the one up from that. It is in verse 16. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So, um, in order to to acquire the things that you are coveting, the things that you want that actually belong to your neighbors, it's not yours, it's his possessions or their possessions, you actually can easily steal it, okay? You could easily lie about it. Uh, You could easily... uh, commit adultery by stealing his wife uh, and you could uh, easily commit murder uh, to do it and all these things you can see and in verse 4 it says you shall not make yourself a carved image so this is like has a lot to do with idol worship or idolatry and um, and not for anything it says to be make anything like that that has anything resemblance to the earth it said in verse seven, it says, "You shall not take the uh, the name of the Lord your God in vain." So what that means is, it's not saying GD. Uh, it's not saying that. It's basically saying that you are a follower of God. You believe in God. Uh, you claim to follow Torah. You claim to be, you know, um, holy and righteous, and you claim to, you know, be a churchgoer or someone who is um, of the cloth or whatever it is, and you do evil things in the name of God. That's what that means when you take the Lord's uh, name in vain. It's not basically taking it's carrying it so if you carry it god's name and you do evil that's what that breaking that command you could easily do that with coveting verse 12 it says honor your father and your mother can you imagine um this is dishonoring to your parents because it's really it's kind of like saying this is how i was raised so there's a lot of things that you're breaking you could break all these nine commandments above the the precede this here in um the 10th one in verse 17 
about coveting. Now, let's pass this on now to uh, the examples that the Bible gives when it comes to doing this. Now, if you turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12, I'm all, and you could read the story for yourself, I'm going to be reading verses 9 through 10. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Verse 10, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Now if you think, if you know this story, David basically, it started out by coveting his wife when he was looking at her taking a bath. And then he started to, you know, develop this idea and how he can get her, which is coveting. Now, he was the king. He could have, he had already had wives. He could have more and, and any ones that he wanted. But he wanted Uriah's. See, now this is a, a classic case of coveting within the Bible, within Scripture. And look else what he does. He says here, that that Nathan said, "Despise the, uh, you have despised the commandment of the Lord." Those he's talking about the Ten Commandments. He's talking about the Torah, okay. And so uh, it goes on to say, "And you have done evil in his sight." And it says, "You have killed," which is one of the Ten Commandments that we read. And then he says, it goes on and says that you have uh, taken uh, his wife, which is the end result of coveting, which is and also adultery. Uh, not one of the another one of the commandments. And have you have killed him and this with the sword of uh, Ammon with uh, that's conspiracy, and uh, therefore uh, the sword shall never depart from your house and there's judgment because you have despised me and you have taken uh, the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Now he had tried, David also lied because he had tried to find ways to um, hide this, and and so there was so many commandments that were broken just based on coveting. That's one. The second one we'll find in 1 Kings chapter 21, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 15. Now in 1 Kings 21 verse 1, I'm going to read all the way down and all the way through is because it's important that we read Scripture in context. Uh, this is specifically about Jezebel, Naboth, and Ahab. Now, this is very important because this is a little longer story, but you could see where this all unfolds and how the deviation from Torah and, and actually from the, the righteousness of God as he set forth for the children of Israel to follow him, uh, this is how people know that you are of God and God uh, is the one who is worshipped and the one who is look to as the the provider for all things. And so the the coveting aspect shouldn't exist. But as we read here, this is uh, in uh, 1 Kings 21. So do this research on the timeline. You can see how often this is done. And it came to pass after these uh, things that Naboth uh, the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel next to the palace of Ahab, king of Samaria. So Ahab spoke to Naboth, saying, Give me your vineyard, that I may have it for a vegetable garden, because it is near and next to my house. And for it will give you, I will give you a vineyard better than it, or if it seems good to you, I will give you its worth and money. But Naboth said to Ahab, The Lord forbid that I should give the inheritance of my fathers to you. 
So Ahab went into his house sullen and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him, for he had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my father. And he lay down on his bed, and he turned away his face, and would not eat food. But Jezebel his wife came to him and said to him, Why is your spirit so sullen that you eat no food? He said to her, Because I spoke to Naboth the Jezreelite, and said to him, Give me your vineyard for money, or else, if it pleases you, I will give you another vineyard for it. And he answered, I will not give you my vineyard. Then Jezebel his wife said to him, You now exercise authority over Israel. Arise, eat your food, and let your heart be cheerful. I will give you the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. And she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with the seal, and sent the letters to the elders and to the nobles who were dwelling in the city of Naboth. She wrote in the letters, saying, Proclaim a fast, and seat Naboth with high honor among the people, and seat two men, scoundrels, before him to bear witness against him, saying, You have blasphemed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him, that he may die. So the men of the city, the elders and nobles who were inhabitants of the city, did as Jezebel had sent to them. As it was written, in the letter which she had sent them, they proclaimed a fast and seated Naboth with high honor among the people. And two men, scoundrels, came in and sat before him, and the scoundrels witnessed against him, against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth has blasphemed God and the king. Then they took him outside the city and stoned him with stones so that he died. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned and is dead. And it came to pass, when Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. So it was when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab got up and went down to take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So let's go back to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all evils. Because of the craving, some people have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves to the heart with many pains. Now, for the love of. Now, that is something that falls in the category of lust and envy. But the point is, is that coveting money, specifically other people's money, is against God and against the Torah. It's against what we know is the instruction that God has given us through the Word of God. And and if you really start thinking about it, um, why is it saved for the love? You would almost think it would say for coveting money is the root of all evils because I have just proved to you that in Scripture that coveting in itself leads to breaking, if if not five or six or seven, if not all nine commandments prior uh, and precedes the, the, the 10th commandment, you're, you're basically saying that, that, that if you love money like that, uh, you're saying that, well, you really can't love money like, well, you love a person, but what you can do is you can covet it, you can lust after it, you can uh, envy people who have it, but it's not so much as money. Now, I want you to think about this. Money is just the tool. Now, you cannot get something, like let's just say that your desire to covet somebody's things, 
just as Ahab wanted to buy Naboth's vineyard, he basically said, hey, money's no object. I will give you what you think it's worth. Now, in order to be able to do something like that, you'd have to have money. Now, the the motivation isn't necessarily money. The motivation is what you can buy with money, the, the, what you can actually acquire with money. So money is uh, is a, the the desire is more than here coveting is more than a desire. It is the the. It's almost like you 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 set out to to break all God's commandments in order to acquire something that is not yours. And you have to lie in, to some degree. Now you may not kill. Now some people do kill, but there's a lot of things that you have to break. When you say that you covet other people's money you're actually planning and plotting to try to find a way to get it from them. Now, this is the part that where the love of money comes in. Now, I'm trying to explain to you why the word usage is love. Uh, Is it uh, the desire? I mean, if you think about what love is, is now we have the four loves. Uh, We have uh, agape love. We have the the, uh, eros love. We have the philia love. Uh, we have the um, storge love, which is the parental love. So we have these four loves. Now, when it says for the love of money, does it? can you really love money like you love in relationships? This is where, where I'm finding that why this is, I'm doing the study, because it means more than what how we read it. Because this is basically for the love of money is like idol worship. You're, you're idolizing money. And, and like I said, it's not necessarily the money. It's actually what the money can buy, what the money can get, get you. Now think of all the things that you can acquire with money. I, the way I was, uh, explained to what pleasure means, pleasure in definition means having it your way. And money can buy you your way. Money, money can buy so many different things that people think that it's going to fulfill the desire and the emptiness inside of them when it actually, it can't. And because there are people who are actually extremely happy who don't have the things that people think that they need to have in order to be happy. So the point I'm trying to make here is that coveting is something where when we talk about money, it, there are other lessons, of course, I know about money. You can't serve God and mammon, and, and this is true. And why is because it is the, the gate. It is the open gate towards idol worship. Now, uh, people will do a lot to get money, and I want to go into that uh, here in a second. But I want to drive the point home and how this is related from Second First Timothy chapter 6, chapter, uh, verse 10 to the Ten Commandments. And the reason why is because of the two stories that I read to you about David and also about Jezebel and Naboth. It's very important that you reflect on those stories, go back and read them, and to see what if I'm if what I'm saying isn't true. And you make up your mind because it is very important that you can see how coveting can lead to the things that it says here for the love of money. Now, there's so many different ways that you could make money. 
Now, I've looked this up and, and I tried to find the best list that I could possibly find and the ways that you make money. Um, you could say respectable or legally or however you want to say it. And then there's ways not so savory and illegal ways to make money. And so this is important when it comes to this uh, particular scripture. Now, I'm going to start with the positive. Um, what are the things that it says? Um, I have a six here and on this list it says, uh, the very first one, it says, give back what you sell. If you sell a physical product, chances are that a person or organization out there would, who could use the thing for free. Uh, number two, help create jobs. Number three, help improve society. Number four, join a movement. Number five, give customers a choice. And then six, contribute your time. So this is a, a good way to make a difference while making money. And so this is the positive aspect, more secular, of course. But I want you to know that, that there's things that you can do that while, while making money, it, you still have a, a good reputation and, and, a, and a way that you can still be um, uh, viewed as a person who wants to help. If you want to call it ph uh, philanthropy, you can. If you want to call it somebody who's just uh, giving back to the community, whatever you want to call it. Uh, this is these are some of the ways. Now let's go to the the unsavory list. So here's a list. Um, it it's probably like around seven, six or seven here. Looks like more like eight. Okay. The first one is a bank robbery, uh, illegal casino, con artist, hacker, arms dealer, pimp, uh, ticket scalping, uh, hitman, and so <laughs> there's there's a lot more um, to there. Uh, there's, of course, as you know, there's embezzling, um, there's larceny, there's all different types of ways of, of uh, get, earning money that, that, or getting money that is illegal, that is not the way to do it. Um, there's, uh, of course, selling drugs. Um, there's also other big corporation, uh, and, and I also read that as well, as different uh, ways uh, big corporations um, steal money uh, in order to make money. So here's one. It's it's timber, illegal uh, timber, um, cutting down trees that that don't belong to you, uh, that you that a, a gigantic company will go in and take a bunch of trees wood for free, and then turn around and sell it. It says that it has a fifteen billion dollar annual income. Uh, illegal wildlife trade, uh, around ten billion. We're talking like endangered species. They people will kill animals uh, by poaching. Uh, illicit drugs, three hundred billion annually. Uh, this is uh, when people become addicted. Uh, they play off people's addictions and the human desire to want something that that destroys them. Um, the illegal organ trade. Uh, we're talking people who sometimes get you know knocked out in, in third world countries or someone in in even second world countries, and that they uh, take them and uh, put anesthesia on them, and then they. Uh, uh, put them in the semi-operating room and slice them open, take their organs, harvest them, and then sell them on the black market for a lot of money. And it says here that is $1 billion annually trade. Uh, black arms uh, deal or the black market for uh, automatic weapons, uh, illegal weapons, it says it's right around $1 billion annually. Um, blood diamonds, uh, around $900 million annually. So I'm just only giving you just a few things on these lists where it comes to this type of uh, behavior, what it what actually coveting leads to on a large scale and on an individual scale. So I believe that it's very important to take a look at how this is done. Now, 
I want to name at least a couple different types of people and how they handle money. The first one would be the poor person. The reason why they're poor, that is a whole nother podcast and a whole nother debate, a whole nother uh, facts uh, in order to, to get that point across. But the point is, is that you have poor people who are in a poverty level situation who are not scraping by, but who are basically uh, not making it. Um, they have a place sometimes, sometimes they don't have a place. They have food sometimes, sometimes they don't have food. Um, if not homeless, these are the people that exist in the world, but they still exist. These are people who are poor at a poverty level. And then you have people, uh, the secondary is where people who are scraping by, who, who basically have money, but all their money is spoken for because of bills, trying to live a normal, decent life, but having no extra money left over, uh, barely having enough uh, money left over to, to get uh, the kids a Happy Meal at McDonald's. So you, you have that kind of income and the people who deal in that um, uh, uh, economic uh, class. And then you have the ones who are right uh, above the poverty level, which is high poverty or middle class is what they call it now. Um, you have enough money left over to do projects, maybe to take a vacation once a year. Um, you paying all your bills and you get bonuses and sometimes you have a little extra at the end of the year, but you really don't have a savings account. Uh, maybe if you do, you don't have very much, but anytime if you hiccup or burp, uh, like a, say a broken uh, wind, windshield, uh, it puts you back. A brake job, it puts you back. Uh, you know, there are certain things that will make or break you just on something where you just think you get ahead, you fall back. There's those people. And then you have people who actually do pretty well, who are over, uh, over $100,000 a year, probably up to almost $200,000 a year where they live pretty comfortable. They have, you know, the brand new cars, they have a nice house, they live in a good neighborhood, uh, they're able to afford um, uh, vacations, um, new cars, uh, you know, every, you know, four or five, six years. Um, they're able to do these types of things. These are people who are, who are doing pretty well for themselves. They're, they're not rich, but they're definitely not poor. And they could afford to uh, put their kids through uh, education and college and, and, and things like that. And, and maybe have equity in their home and, and be able to own things. Uh, and then you have people who make above that, who make above $200,000, $300,000 a year. Now, this is where people, believe it or not, it seems like they be, become more giving, but they don't. They become more selfish. Now, this is a, a strange phenomenon, but this is just how it works. They tend to look down at other people because they don't have what they have. But let me tell you what happens to um, each class of people that I just named and, and their socioeconomic status here. You have people who are already poor. You give them, you know, over $300,000, $400,000 a year. Okay. You give them that much money, they'll kill themselves. They wouldn't know what to do with it. Okay. It's the same with the next group of people and the next group of people. It's the people who actually learn to acquire that kind of money will know how to be disciplined with that money. But you give somebody who has been poor their whole life in the first three classes that I've named, they wouldn't know what to do with it. So what they do is they, they don't have the mind or the discipline in order to have that kind of money. So they basically waste it and, and spend it on things that isn't necessarily, uh, well, let's read the list again. So let me go back to this list where, where you make a difference in, in, in with while making money. Uh, help create jobs help improve society, join a movement, give customers a choice, contribute your time. If you're not doing those things when you have that kind of money, 
you're you're basically you're not doing anything. You're basically uh, uh, wasting your time, wasting money, and you're wasting your life. You're really not making a, a, anything good to. You're not making a difference in society at all, and and you're basically living an individual life of yours that you're not actually helping anything and, and, and the things that you acquire, you can't take with you. So when you take money away from somebody like that, it's really no different than trying to get somebody off a of heroin. When you take that kind of money away from somebody who has, who makes over three and $400,000 a year, you're basically, you're dealing with a drug addict. Somebody who doesn't know how to live any other way. Uh, you see this happening to people all the time. Uh, people who have a lot and then something happens and it's all gone. Either they get sued or maybe uh, they have a lot of money in stock. Uh, they don't They don't have anything and they literally don't know how to react to it. And so there's a separation anxiety that happens uh, between money and a person and trying to get them to be able to understand that. What is the first thing they do? They try to continue that lifestyle beyond their means. Now, anytime you live beyond your means... You are tempted in everything what this Bible study is all about. You start thinking of ways to covet other people's things. Because you have a lust, an envy, and a love for money. Now, the reason why these things happen is because we don't have God at the top of our priorities. Once you have God at the top of your priorities you will be able to understand what the purpose of you and for you in life is. If you have that kind of money and God is your God and not money, what you do with that money will be vitally important. Now we can find the answers uh, to this here in actually in the book of First uh, Timothy. You got to read further down. And it is in verse, uh, it's First Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 through 19. And let me read it. Command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who gives us rich leath all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. So what that scripture tells us right there, it tells us that this is a temporary thing. Money is temporary. I like what it says here because it says everything that I'm trying to say. And all of these values, the ethics and the morals are coming from the Torah, the instructions and how that we deal with things in life, money being one of them. So when you have, when you have the love of, for money, you're basically saying that the God is my money. Money is my God. And I am its servant. But really what you're saying, uh, what the uh, Hebrew Bible is saying, is that money is only the tool in order to get you to covet other people's things, specifically their money. And lusting and envying other people, which some degree to has, has maybe a positive uh, connotation to it, but in this sense, it rarely does because it leads to sin. And uh, that's the bottom line. Now, um, here it gives, uh, it gives it up here when it says that let them do good. 
that they may be rich in good works. So the value here isn't money. The value isn't possessions. The value is good works and goodness itself. That's where the value is. If anything, desire that. Ready to give. Which means that you are, you already have, as I would like to say, I already have one in the chamber. You, you're ready to give people somebody who's in need. Now you have to discern whether or not they're trying to cover your money and get your money, but you have to try to be able to read the situation, ask the Holy Spirit, is this person really in need or are they, are they trying to steal this from me? And then you give. A lot of people get burnt because of that. A lot of people get, uh, for they actually they get burnt out on giving because people will lie to them and they're not being honest about what their need, what their need is. And then that person is not ready to give anymore because of how many times that has happened. But we are supposed to be ready to give and we have to use our wisdom, use, uh, use your senses, your good sense and your common sense. And it says willing to share. Um, wow, sharing is, is really unheard of these days. You don't see a lot of people sharing. You People make videos on people doing acts of goodness, which is people like, oh, wow, that's so cool. It's kind of sad where you have to do that now because it's so rare. Uh, and then uh, verse 19, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come. So in other words, what you do with money and how you handle money, according to the Lord, according to God, according to Torah, according to the instruction that Jesus gave us, okay, will be for the time to come. You see, it's for the now, but it's for really investing in the time to come. So you can't take money with you. You can't take the things that you desire that money will give you. You can't take none of that stuff. But only what counts and what's going to count is going to be the good works, to be rich in good works, to store up for the themselves in the foundation of the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. So that's the goal. Nothing else. Now, I know that I said some things in here that, that may uh, be controversial, and that's okay. I'm ready for it. And anybody has any questions or any comments, feel free to ask. Now, one last thing. How you know that you've gone too far with money is when you're breaking God's commands. These commands are eternal. They're for all time. Um, lying, stealing, trying to take something that's not yours, that you want, but you can't have. You, you, have, to, you have to take God's word and you literally have to put it into action. It's not something we just read on Sunday or what we read when we can't go to sleep at night and or we read or watch uh, uh, videos on, on these types of subjects. It's not for that. It's what it's for. It's these ideas that we have are truth in the Bible. These scriptures are truth. And the, the exemplary action, the outcome, the manifestation of what the Word of God tells us creates these ideas in our mind, in our heart, and we believe them to be true in faith that they work. 
And as you see that I've shown you in Scripture with logic and reason, with love and with faith, that coveting is at the very, very root when it comes to these subjects. It is a large part of criminal activity, a large part of, part of life and the way people and how people treat each other and, and when they shouldn't, family, what family does to each other and they shouldn't. There's just so many things that we have to do to manipulate when we don't have to, if we trust God as our provider, Jehovah Jireh, if we look to him as goodness and what he says is good and is good for us, we should follow what is good for us, do what is good for us. Others will gain from that. And it's, and it's good that we are able to take what we know that is good, apply it in life, apply it to community, and eventually our lives and our community will just get a little bit better. This is Pastor Frank at Frank's Bible Study. Amen.